Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. Kate Anderson Brower wrote a terrific book titled The Residence. It was a number one New York Times bestseller that took us behind the scenes at the White House. She has just released a follow-up of sorts. It's titled First Women, The Grace and Power of America's Modern First Ladies. And Kate joins me now. Hey, Kate, thanks for coming back. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me. So you wanted, obviously, to follow up on the success of the residents. Why did you choose to go in the direction of first ladies? You know, when I interviewed the maids and the butlers at the White House, they would often talk about the first ladies because those are the people they directly deal with every day. And they would say when a decision comes from the second floor, it means it's coming from the first lady because the private uh, family quarters are on the second and third floor of the White House for the first family. So, um, And I also covered Michelle Obama when I was a White House reporter with Bloomberg News. And so I'm fascinated by her. And just, you know, as a wife and mother myself, I'm interested in how these women balance, you know, being a wife, mother, political advisor and this icon in the White House. 
The White House is a wonder is a wonderland for children. You write Sasha and Malia Obama invite friends over and have sleepovers on air mattresses in the third floor solarium. Chelsea Clinton sunbathed on the window ledge of her bedroom until members of the press told the chief usher and he demanded that she come down. The Johnson daughters used the solarium as a teenage hideaway, complete with a soda fountain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they do have some private space, right? They do. And again and again, you know, I found these great letters between the first ladies that show how they reached out to each other. So Hillary Clinton reached out to Jackie Kennedy about raising children in the White House. And she thought that Jackie had done such a great job with Caroline and John Kennedy Jr. And so um, they looked to each other for how to make this work in the White House. Hillary Clinton said, you know, there's no way to know what it's like to live here unless you've done it. Um, And so I went back and, and spoke to, you know, chiefs of staff to Pat Nixon, Betty Ford, the children uh, like Steve Ford, Ron Reagan, about what it was like in the White House. And um, they all said, you know, that their mothers were ordinary women in extraordinary times. You know, that's what Steve Ford said about Betty Ford. And I thought that was really um, a nice smart way of saying it, that these women are, are thrust into the spotlight and they have no job description. My favorite photograph that's in your book, First Women, you reference Jackie Kennedy, and I'm looking at it now. There's a picture of a what what is it kindergarten a kindergarten yeah. class that Jackie would explain I'm of course the only one looking at the picture tell everybody else what I'm looking at Sure. There's a photo of Caroline Kennedy in the solarium. So Jackie set up a a kindergarten in the solarium for Caroline. She had a bunch of their friends from Georgetown when JFK was a senator. You know, she befriended these other young mothers and she invited them to be part of this um, kindergarten in the White House, which is kind of amazing. And just the atmosphere in the White House when the Kennedys were there was just so exciting. You know, Letitia Baldridge, who was Jackie's social secretary, would talk about walking down the halls and having children running around. And there were ponies in the backyard on the south lawn and it was just like a fun festive atmosphere but Jackie was so committed to raising those children you know she famously said if you bungle raising your children I don't think whatever else you do well matters very much but it's funny it's funny Kate to look at the picture because there's a window and and you can see some of the exterior of the White House but inside the room it looks like it is a linoleum floor a fluorescent light a blackboard uh, mm-hmm. A standard, you know, issued chair and desks and a teacher at the front. It looks like all of our kindergarten classrooms, except this one was constructed in the White House. Exactly. It's it's amazing how normal, in a way, some of these people, you know, they try to live their lives in a normal way, but again and again, they come up with the re- against the reality of life. And so I have in the book how, you know, when Michelle Obama wants to eat dinner outside on the Truman balcony, how difficult that is for the Obamas, that, you know, the butlers would seat them behind these giant uh, columns on the Truman balcony for safety reasons. And, and sometimes if there are too many people gathered at the gate at the South Lawn, they suggest that they eat dinner inside so that you can't really really do what you want to do. It it might appear that they're living a sort of normal life, but it's very claustrophobic in the White House. And Michelle Obama in particular can't wait to leave. When Hillary gave Laura the the customary tour of the residence, they stood together in the first lady's dressing room. And Hillary said, your mother-in-law stood right here and told me that from this window, you can see straight down into the Rose Garden and also over into the Oval Office. 
Eight years later, when Michelle Obama came for her first tour of the White House, Laura showed her the exact same spot where so many first ladies have stood discreetly in the shadows watching their husbands at work. Who gets along with whom? Who doesn't get along with whom in this elite uh, sorority of first ladies? Uh, Well, I mean, Michelle Obama uh, doesn't love Hillary Clinton. I mean, they're very different women. Um, I've been told by Obama, you know, insiders that Michelle Obama thinks that the Clintons kind of squandered an opportunity because of Bill Clinton's personal, uh, you know, situation in the White House. Um, And so they felt that they were nibbling around the edges, could have done a lot more. Um, And then when I interviewed Hillary Clinton's aides, some of them told me that they think Michelle Obama should be doing a lot more as first lady and taking on more controversy controversial issues. Um, But the people who get along, you know, it's Lady Bird Johnson and Betty Ford were very close. Laura Bush and um, Michelle Obama are close and friendly. Laura Bush really has a lot of sympathy for the other first ladies. Um, You know, when Hillary Clinton was crying in New Hampshire in 2008, and, you know, a lot of Laura Bush's staff thought it was just a ploy to get voters, Laura said to them, you know, you have no idea how hard this is campaigning every day. And Laura Bush publicly defended Michelle Obama when she said that she was um, proud of her country for the first time. Laura Bush said in an interview, you have to think about everything you say as a candidate's spouse. Um, your words are dissected in the press. And so I think that there is a feeling of empathy uh, that, that Laura Bush in particular has for these other women. Kate Anderson Brower, First Women is the brand new book. This is Book Club with Michael Smirconish from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash 
Smirconish 50. Get your 50% off. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM, Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Hey, Kate, you have a whole chapter, East Wing versus West Wing, and, and you know the vernacular because you covered the White House for Bloomberg News. But let, let's break this down. If you're standing outside the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, as so many tourists have done, and you're facing the building, mm-hmm. to the right is the West Wing, to the left is the East Wing. What's in the East Wing? Um, the family movie theater is in the East Wing. The military office is in the East Wing. Um, and then all of the offices, the calligrapher's office is in the East Wing, and then all the offices for the First Lady's aide and for aides and for the First Lady. So, you know, Michelle Obama's office is in the East Wing, and she uses it um, religiously. She doesn't like to work out of the residence. Um, in fact, some uh, Obama aides said they rarely ever saw her in the West Wing. Um, so she uses the East Wing office. And, and for Michelle Obama in particular, it's very very important for her that there's a separation between their family private life in the residence and their work life. And she's made little changes along the way uh, with the staff, you know, putting work folders in certain places so that, that there's a clear separation there. Um, the Obamas are also the first family to turn off the lights themselves in the residence, which I think is kind of funny. Um, before an usher would turn off the lights at the end of the day for the first family. So they try to treat it like a home, um, but it still feels, it still has prison-like elements for the these women. So one of the reasons that I asked the question of, of sort of the, the designation of space is to think if it is a President Hillary Clinton, are we to suppose that Bill will set up offices in what had previously been the offices of first ladies in the East Wing? That's a really great question. I mean, I interviewed um, members of Hillary Clinton's inner circle, and, you know, they call themselves Hillary Land, and they said that Bill Clinton will probably not be in the White House that much, that he'll be deployed on diplomatic missions around the world, that he's a great negotiator, he'll use his skills as a former president, he won't be picking out China and uh, flower arrangements. I mean, Hillary didn't even like doing that as First Lady particularly. So um, I would assume that he would have offices in the East Wing, but they would not get a a lot of use. He'll be traveling all the time. My mother assures me that Melania will make an excellent first lady. That's because (laughs) of her Yugoslavian roots and her beauty. Have, Have you thought about Melania as a first lady? How would she fit into this sorority? Um, well, she would be the third first lady to be a model because Pat Nixon and Betty Ford both modeled, but they were not supermodels, of course. And um, Well, we didn't have she, supermodels then, did we? That's true. They were in catalogs, but there were no risque photos of them. I mean, I think that's where Melania, you know, some of the controversy about her is that famous GQ photo on the Trump plane and all that. I mean, 
she uh, wouldn't be the first first lady born outside the U.S. Louisa Adams was born in London. But, I mean, look, she breaks the mold in a lot of ways. She's also not the youngest. Jackie Kennedy was 31. I mean, on paper, she wouldn't be necessarily a trailblazer. But when you see her interviewed, um, she certainly is striking. And um, I think she tempers him a lot, which is similar to what a lot of the other first ladies have done, kind of tones down some of the Trump rhetoric and uh, and talking about, you know, their son, Barron, and all of that kind of humanizes Donald Trump and that town hall he did on CNN. It was, it, it's a smart move. Um, and I think she's likable in, in many ways, but also intimidating in other ways. I don't know how relatable she is to most women. I'm reminded of the discussion that you had in The Residence, which was your, your number one New York Times bestseller about the White House staff. I'm reminded of how we're headed for another of those transitions where literally in the span of one day, it's out with the old and in with the new, and they run it with military precision. And mm-hmm. that's about to take place next January. It is. And, you know, I did a story for Vanity Fair online about um, about what the resident staff thinks about Donald Trump coming into the White House if he wins or Hillary Clinton coming in. And they all told me almost to a person that they are concerned about Donald Trump because they worry that he could just come in and fire everyone because he knows all these chefs. He has all these relationships um, and he, he doesn't really take orders very well. There's a certain level of respect when you move your things in. You have to work with the curator staff and you have to. Um, understand where, you know, you can't just come in and change the red room and the blue room on the state floor. It all has to be done through the White House Historical Association and the curatorial staff. So the resident staffers are really worried that Donald That's Trump funny. will make a lot of changes. That is really funny. Hey, yeah. uh, do they, you know, uh, when you draw near, when, when we're down to two candidates, there's a certain point that we reach where they get military briefings, both candidates, just because they want there to be a seamless transition of power. Is there anything that takes place relative to prospective first ladies or do we await the outcome and then all of a sudden you get a a phone call from whomever it is you'll be replacing who says come on over to the White House I want to show you the ropes how does it work um, I mean, the, the chief usher at the White House right now is is gathering information on what Donald Trump likes to eat and what Hillary Clinton is really great them this has begun. Him. Yeah, it's already begun. Even, you know, I was told by Gary Walters, who was the chief usher there for years, that they start out 18 months before the election. So even during the primaries, they're looking at this. But the official, um, you know, actual meeting between the East Wing staff, Michelle Obama's East Wing staff and whomever the new uh, First Lady staff is, uh, happens after the nomination. So, I mean, that will happen, you know, after that will happen after the election, rather. So in like December, they have those meetings where they, ha- they exchange these folders, and the current First Lady staff puts together a folder of events um, and programs and things that you can safely skip or things that they suggest you absolutely continue. And so it's a very political thing. You have to decide, you know, will this look bad if I don't, you know, for instance, you have to do the Easter egg roll and these kinds of things and the Christmas parties and all those ceremonial things that take a lot of time and energy. See, that's what's going to be interesting if it's Hillary, because will Bill fulfill mm-hmm. that role or will it cause her to revert to her formerly first late like the Easter egg role. Right. You know, how do they approach that? Yeah, that would be a little bit unfair, I think, and sexist, right? Because if, if she had to do that, I mean, she's going to be president if she's elected. So she won't have time to do things like that. And so I was told by her aides that she will hire a really experienced social secretary, a very experienced, you know, chief of protocol. And these women probably um, will, you know, take up 
the burden, I mean, of, of doing all of those kind of ceremonial things because Bill Clinton won't be around to do it. And Hillary Clinton will be dealing with, you know, all the issues that a president deals with. So she won't I, I'm she didn't still, really love it anyway. And, and I'm still curious to see if, if Trump would live in the White House. I think he has to. I mean, that would just be uh, – I can't imagine the controversy that would start if he didn't. I don't know. He flies house. home virtually every night from the campaign trail. <sighs> you know, the, he, likes his, he likes his bed in the Trump Tower. I know, but I can't imagine if the White House isn't, you know, good enough. One of the the head housekeeper, the former head housekeeper at the White House, said that she was worried that, you know, he wouldn't think he would think it was too small, and uh, you know, too kind of boring and not decorated glitzily enough, and all this. And you know, I don't know if that's a stereotype we have of him. You have to, he has to respect, you know, the history and the the men who came before him. I would think. You, you don't want him subdividing the uh, the South Lawn. Hey, what what is next for you? So you've done the residents. You've, you've done those who make the White House tick. You've now done the first women. You've obviously got a cottage uh, industry in the making here. Where are you going next? I don't know if you have any suggestions, Michael. Um, I'm I'm thinking about an idea. I did find out that um, First Women is on the bestseller list at number six, so I'm really excited about that because you know that comes out Wednesday night. So I'm I'm really excited to hear that. Congratulations, well. that's fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I do. I'm thinking about a new idea, but something related to the White House. I really love talking to people and um, and reporting on on the White House and politics. Yeah, I love the anecdotal. I have to say, I just I love the tidbits that are in this book. Uh, it's you. fun stuff and, and the kind of thing that you, you wonder about and you answer it. Anyway, I wish you all good things. Kate Anderson Brower, you. you're doing great work. First Women is the brand new book, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Michael. I love your show. Thank you. Thanks for saying that, Kate. There you go. So um, Donald Trump. It, it occurs to me, Michael, yeah. you know, because I like to point out when you agree so very firmly with Donald Trump. Absolutely. Because it doesn't happen that often. Make America great again. Well, I think it has just happened. Tell me. Well, you both like to sleep in your own bed. <laughs> it occurs true. to me, as she's saying, as, as you were saying, like, I don't know, he flies home every night. <laughs> like, what What time did you arrive home after leaving Washington, D.C. and the New York primary coverage on CNN? One forty. Right. Exactly. One forty. You would and know I could have slept in Washington. You would CNN know would, more CNN, moving to that White right. House than the man on the moon. CNN would be happy to pay for a bed <laughs> in know, D.C., but you're uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. No, I, I, I would just rather wake up at home. I know. I'd just rather wake up at I home know. and start my day. Otherwise, I, I get me, off Michael, on a... As someone who has dealt I with your schedule it, uh, yeah. for years... I know. I didn't say it in a critical sense no. of the Donald. I just questioned, would he live in the White House? Michael, you didn't say it in a critical sense because you agree with him. <laughs> That's exactly right. Because <laughs> I wouldn't live in the exactly. White House. Exactly. I, I don't want to overstate this. I've been in the White House on a number of occasions. And the uh, the problem with the White House is, it's, is such a, it's such a fishbowl. It is such a fishbowl. There's no space there. There are so many people lurking. It's, it's like Even a upstairs? hospital. It is like a hospital. That's how I think of it. Yeah. There's just no space that's your own. And around some corner, there are going to be a whole host of other people that you're not necessarily going to want to see. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, 
and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hot off the press from Maybelline New York, it's new Lifter Plump, an intense plumping lip gloss formulated with chili pepper to deliver a heated sensation for an instant plumping effect that lasts. From eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Red Flag, Hot Honey, Coco Zing, and more. An extra-large wand applicator transforms lips in one swipe. Learn more at Maybelline.com. For a limited time, get 10% off your Lifter Plump purchase on Amazon with code 10PLUMP.